Today's message is the liar's deception of fear. The liar's deception of fear. Um, I, I also want to welcome everybody who comes here, who's here today at Word of Life, especially those of you first, second, and third time guests. It really means a lot to us that you are here, and it really, really does, and I'm just so grateful that you would choose to check out Word of Life Church. There's a lot of great churches in central New York. Uh, I happen to believe we're the best of them all, but and that's just the personal opinion that I have. But anyhow, um, if you're new with us today, we are, we are in a message series not called WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? That it's been a campaign for many, many years. What would Jesus do? We're not, we're not doing that. The message series is not called WWJD, but this message is called What Would Jesus Undo? This series is talking about what would Jesus undo? What are the things that break the heart of God the Father and Jesus would want to undo to make sure that we are living in the fullness of everything that God would have in store for our lives? So last week we talked about not forgiving our offenders. Not forgiving our offenders. Pretty tough message, and a lot of people have responded wonderfully. And I'm telling you, it was really, really great. And I believe some life changes happened with all of us, especially me. Some things happened for me this week as a result of that as well. And again, the question today that we're going to be asking is what would break the heart of God the Father that Jesus would want to undo? And what he would want to do, undo is to defeat the liars, the defeat the liars' deception of fear. 2 Timothy uh, 1.7, Paul tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. So what I want to deal with today is one of the most famous, most best-known underdog stories of all time, that most people have at least heard it, and over for now for thousands of years, they have heard this story shared over and over and over again. And it's that famous story called the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath. Now that story has become a metaphor for all kinds of opportunities. Business world uses that as a metaphor. Sports world uses it. Wherever there is challenge in life, we talk about David and Goliath. We talk about the underdog. We talk about the giant coming down, all of those things. The story of, the, uh, it's the story of a young boy who somewhere, the scholars say, somewhere between the ages of 14 and 16 years Years old, whether you believe it or not. That's what they have studied and that's what they believe. He's somewhere between the ages of 14 and 16 years old and he takes down a nine and a half foot tall giant named Goliath. And he's in the valley of Elah. So it's, it's really an, an incredible story. We've, we've, many of us, if you've been a part of a church for any length of time, you've heard the story a hundred times, I'm sure, because it's just one of the greatest stories that's ever told. Now, the reality is, is what we're not doing today is wanting to go into the story so that we can celebrate what this young teenager did by the hand of God. We're not, we're not looking to do that. But really what I'm hoping for today is that every one of us can walk out of here thinking, you know, I trust that God can still come through for us. He can come through for me as well. We're believing God that he's going to give us victory over our giants and over this thing called fear. Because most of us, maybe even all of us that are in this room, we are convinced that there still is a giant in the land. We still believe that there is still giants. I'm taking some of my thoughts from Louis Giglio in his book, Goliath Must Fall, a great book. You can uh, get that and read it. I'm, th I'm sure that it's going to be inspirational to you. Okay, so I am 100%. I am a hundred percent that there are people here today who God wants to liberate from freedom. Whoever you are, 
All of us deal with some kind of fear. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and of a sound mind. So when you're dealing with fear, it's not because God's trying to get your attention. That's not how God works. The Bible says God has not given you a spirit of fear. So when you have fear, it's not coming from God, just so you understand. And God would want to, God would want to liberate you from that fear. And if that's about your life, if you're a person who deals with fear on, the, on a regular basis, for your information, your fear, your fear will do all that it can to keep you from being fearless. We're looking to be fearless as we walk out of here today. A confidence with what God says within his word. But that spirit of fear or that giant doesn't go down all that easy. So maybe your story is something like this. You've tried defeating fear. You've tried to, to, to defeat fear on your own. And in the, midst, in the midst of all of that, it seemed like fear raised its ugly head and told you don't even think about it. You're going to fail and it will be worse for you than if you were just being afraid and just deal with being afraid. He's a liar. Listen, my friend, if you are thinking or have had those kind of thoughts, I'm telling you, fear is a liar. Say it with me with authority. Fear is a liar because that's what we see within the word of God. Fear is a liar. Fear and anxiety, if it has, uh, as far as I'm concerned, fear and anxiety has its grip around the throat of America. America, so fear and anxiety must fall. For your freedom's sake and for God's glory's sake, fear and, and uh, anxiety must fall. Fear and anxiety must fall. So fear has a, a, a natural reaction when things come our way that brings fear. And it's called, you've heard it before, it's fight or flight. It's fight or flight. Well, let me go back a few years of my life. I'm about 10 years old, somewhere around there. And there was a little girl, a young girl. Don't you make fun of me. I know one of my sons are here. Don't you make fun of me, Tom. Uh, she was about the same age as me. And her name is Candy. Candy came from Syracuse. I, I don't know her family. I could never tell you anybody of, uh, any of their names except for Candy. Because whenever Candy came to my house, she would beat me up. That's not funny. <laughs> she would beat me up and I would go off crying. And I, every time they came, which I, I don't know if they came a dozen times, but every time they came, she would beat me up. And I would go to my mother and father and I'm crying. Candy beat me up again. She punched me right in the face, whatever I said. And they did nothing about it. So, since we understand that there is really a natural response to, to fear, and that is fight or flight, whenever candy came, <laughs> um, I decided to take the flight and I ran. I got smart and I realized that this girl's going to beat me up. Ten years old, she had big muscles and everything. I mean, she was, just in case you're thinking I'm a little bit of a wimp and a wimp. But anyhow, anyhow. Fight or flight is in each and every one of us. It's in you. It's in you right now. Fight or flight. It's in every one of us. And it actually keeps us alive. But to let fear become the soundtrack to the way that you live your life is counterintuitive to the relationship that we've been invited to have with the living God. We're not to be living in fear. We're not to allow those things of fear that when you see a black car pulled in your driveway and it's a little girl who's going to get out of there with teeth that are this big and she's going to kill you. That's not the way that God wants you to live your life. That's not what God wants you to do. 
And what we find here is that the God who is your heavenly father, he is the God who runs the entire universe. He is the one who is in charge of it all. And when we look into this particular story, the very first giant that you and I are gonna see is the giant called Goliath. Goliath, but we're also going to see another fear. It's gonna be evident as we begin this story today, and it's right there that that other spirit is called the spirit of fear. The other giant is going to be the giant of fear. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse eight. I trust you have your, your uh, electric devices, uh, whatever you need to be able to watch this, but if not, everything's gonna be projected up on the screen. 1 Samuel chapter, eight, chapter 17, beginning with verse 8. Goliath, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me, and if he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the arrogance. This day I defy the armies of God. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing this, let me stop right there. And let us fight and and, and, uh, let us fight each other. These next words are key. These next words are important to you and I if we're going to be dealing with fear. You and I need to understand what we're talking about right here. He says in verse 11, he says, on hearing... Do you see that word? On hearing, he heard Goliath. They, the, the, the Israelite army heard Goliath. On hearing, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all of the Israelites were dismayed and were terrified. The emphasis that it's important to what we are listening to is the key to this message for you defeating, for you, uh, defeating your giants. You need to hear things. You need to understand, not just what the giant is saying, but most importantly, what God himself is saying. You see, um, those, those giants, all of them, uh, 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 excuse me, that fear could have come about as a result of fight or flight. When they were dismayed with fear as a result of that giant saying and doing what he was doing, that fear could have been only the result of fight or or flight, because the reality is this guy, this giant, is nine and a half feet tall. He is a champion from Gath. He is a, he's a known warrior, and he has a shield that's bigger than all of us men that are in this room, any of us, men or women alike, however tall we would be, because that, that shield that he had covered his entire body from head to toe, nine and a half feet tall. So fight, uh, fight and flight could easily be the reason why they were so terrified. But what you may not know at this point is that Goliath is doing this day after day after day for 40 days. 40 days, he does the same thing over and over. And the army of Israel is completely terrified. In verse 20, we find, not gonna read these verses, but in verse 20, we find that David has been sent by his father Jesse to come to the battle lines and to take food for his brothers as well as for the king. And so David is making his way. Remember now, he's a teenager. 14, 15, 16, maybe 17, somewhere in that area. He's just a teenager and he's bringing food to his brothers. And David himself hears when he brings the food. He hears now what's been going on. He hears these words. Go with me to chapter 17, verse 23 of the same chapter. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, I'm gonna come back to that in a moment. 
And as he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion of Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard that. Let me go back to what what I said here just a moment ago. Listen to these words. Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath. Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath. Now, this, this whole, the whole reason why that is said like that is because I want you to understand, do you, do you see how that approach, when you would talk about Goliath, that he would be the Philistine champion from Gath, could instill fear and anxiety on you immediately? Once you see how big he is, once you see how big she is, even at 10 years old, uh, it could put fear in you. It really could. It, it's, it's, it's made to happen that way. Every time you hear those words, again, it's this hearing. They, they were hearing certain things that would put fear within them. And that's exactly how the enemy antagonizes you and I. She's gone for good. Fear. Things will never change. Fear. You will be dealing with this for the rest of your life. Fear. The relationship will never, will never be fixed. Fear. And that's exactly how the enemy takes advantage of you and I. That's how he does it. The enemy always uses that little description to remind you again and again, always adding to that fear factor. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 24, and it says these words, 24, when the Israelites saw the man, they fled from him in great fear. What they heard and what they saw caused them, caused them to be gripped by their fear. And if fear is your giant, if fear is your giant, then you will recognize what they are hearing in the background of Goliath's taunting. You will not make it. It's too big to overcome. Might as well give up. It's all going to fall apart. You will never recover from this. This will never work out. Something bad is gonna happen. God has completely forgotten you. Don't ever think that there's a way through this. Nobody cares about you. I wonder what bad thing will happen next. No one is pulling for you. The worst thing that could happen to you has just happened to you. God has abandoned you. You will not survive this. That's the giant that may be speaking even to you. And it amazes me how many people live out their lives with that soundtrack playing over and over and over again in the, back, in the background every day of their lives. That no good liar, that giant of fear was certainly playing those, those fear tactics, saying and doing those kind of things in the background. And he did that for 40 days and for 40 nights, day in and day out, as the army of, of God, of the God of Israel stood paralyzed, paralyzed in their tracks with fear. I have three big ideas that I want to cover with you real quickly. Even though that we are, even though we are in Christ as believers, Number one, the big idea, first idea is this, that we can be in Christ and still be paralyzed by a giant. We can be in Christ and still be paralyzed by a giant. PR, what are you talking about? What are you saying? Well, let me explain it to you something like this so you would understand. 
The promise of God and, and uh, to, to Moses and to his forefathers was that God was going to gather a people and lead them to settle in a land that flows with milk and honey. In other words, he was taking them to a place of abundance is where God was taking them. Moses would not be allowed to take them across the Jordan and into the promised land. And it would be Joshua who would do that, who would lead them into that promised land. When they crossed over to the Jordan River, they saw with their very own eyes these Jews, these Israelites, as they're making their way into the promised land, they, they saw with their own eyes God to take down the seven-story high walls of Jericho and would begin to do miracle after miracle after miracle for these, these people as they come onto the promised land. Not to even mention the miracles that he did while they lived in the wilderness. Not to even mention the miracles that God did to deliver the people from Egypt. God had done miracle after miracle, promising them, telling them, I'm going to be with you. I will lead you through your difficult time. I will lead you. I will protect you. I will meet your every need is what God is promising them. And here we are. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, talking about this wonderful story, we are in the valley of Allah and uh, well into the promised land. It's not that they're still in that, that unforsaken side, they're, they're in the promised land. And they're facing this giant and the Israelites are dismayed. They're facing this giant and the Israelites, the Israelite army is terrified now, very likely, there may be some of you who are here today as well, and as uh, you're a part of Word of Life Church, you, you, you've come to know Christ, you've come to know Jesus, you, you are in church, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been a follower for, uh, of Christ for a number of years now. Maybe there's a history between you and God, but maybe in all honesty, you would say, I also deal with the fear. I have this thing inside of me. I have this fear that just seems to paralyze me. It paralyzes you. It paralyzes me, this giant in my particular life story. That was true of them then. The giant didn't go away when they just entered into the promised land. So let me just say this to you, please. Should anyone ever tell you that once you give your life to Jesus, no more fear? You'll never have another problem. Uh, there'll never be another giant. All the giants are gonna go away. I'm here to tell you that's not true. That's not the way it works because it doesn't, number one, it doesn't line up with the, uh, with the broad story of the scriptures from the Old Testament all the way to today. And I am here to say to you, yes, I do believe that there could be a giant standing in your life right now taunting you, taunting you with the narrative of lies and intimidation. And you're not going crazy. You're not losing it right now. These kind of things really do happen. They happened then and they still happen today. <clears throat> but Jesus would want to undo the liar's deception of fear within your life. He would want to change all of that for you. Point number two, you are not David. You are not David in the story of David and Goliath. <laughs> I can hear, I can just hear some of you just saying, now wait a minute, PR, what are you talking about? Because I remember when I was a kid, whenever we talked about David, I just imagined myself being a David and going out and conquering. There's a lot, of, a lot of us who have been at VBS or junior high youth camp in the years gone by or Sunday school, however it may be for you, your past may be. And the story of David defeating Goliath, it would just stir you. It would stir you. You would go out and fight whatever giant may be out there. They were invisible. You didn't really see a whole lot, but you were defeating them all the times, all the time that you would go out there. And uh, so you just need to know 
that God didn't ask you and I in this narrative right here, God hasn't asked you and I to bulk up, to hulk up, to armor up, to take down the giant of your life on your own. But God has asked us to wake up, to look up, and to realize that there is a a hero in this story. There really is, but it's not you. You're not the hero. You're not the hero. There is a story, hint, there is a, excuse me, there is a hero, hint, because this is a story of God. This is a story of God. When you look at Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34, the Bible says, they fled from him in great fear. They they fled from Goliath. Where is the hero in that? Trying to understand, who is the hero then? If it's not David, you said it's not David. And if it's not David, then then who is it? Because as I see this story unfolding, the the hero is not the Philistines, of course. It's not Saul. It's not Goliath. (coughs) It's not the army of Israel. Um, and you say, you say, so here, here um, the hero must be David. If it's none of them, then it, it has to be David. And I'm here to tell you, you're getting warm. In the little game that we play, hot or cold, right now you're getting a little bit warm as you're talking about David being a hero. But listen, listen. I'm not preaching you a message today that says, hey, you have got to get, get strong enough to go out and to defeat the giants that are in your life. I'm not telling you that. But what I am preaching you today, what I am preaching to you today is, is that Jesus has come from heaven to earth to walk into your valley, wherever your valley is, whatever it is, and to take out every giant that has, you have ever faced in your entire life. That's what Jesus has come to do. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus really is the giant slayer. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 20, 32, it's not in your notes, so don't look for it there. Uh, but it talks about the fact that David has now heard, has heard what this giant had to say. And here's what David says. Don't allow any of you, don't allow anyone out there to lose heart or to lose hope on account of this Philistine giant. Don't let anybody lose heart. Don't let anybody become afraid because of this Philistine giant. In other words, what he is saying is things are about to change. Things are about to change right here and right now. So David now begins to offer King Saul reasons to allow him to defeat Goliath. Go with me to verses 34 and 35 of that same chapter. Verses 34 and 35. And it says this, but David said to Saul, he's speaking to him, trying to convince him, let me go after this guy. I I want to take him out. Uh, your servant has been keeping uh, his father has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. Rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and I killed it. Is what David said. Now that to me is pretty pretty. Awesome. That is pretty audacious as far as I'm concerned. I think he's really cocky with this story, with what he can do. And he should be because it's powerful and mighty. David defeated a lion and a bear, he says. He, he killed both of them with a rod. In case you don't know, a shepherd's staff will lead the sheep, but a shepherd's rod will defend the sheep. It will defend the sheep. Verse 17, uh, uh, verse 36, I mean, chapter 17 our, David's going on, he's still saying, he says, our servant has, has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies 
of the living God. So if you're really listening to this story and you're trying to understand who is the hero, Pastor, you said that David isn't the hero right now with what you're saying because he's defeated the lion and the bear. You're trying to tell me, I think you are telling me that David is the hero. I think he really is the hero of all of that, but it's not. That's not at all what I'm trying to tell you. That's not what I'm saying. The fact of the matter is David wants you to know. David wants you to know that it wasn't him, that he is not the hero of the story. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. 37. The Lord. David starts that off and he says, The Lord. The Lord. It's the Lord. It's the Lord, David says. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, The king said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Go and the Lord be with you. David knew, listen to me, David knew that God was David in the story of David and Goliath. Let me say it again because it went over you, over your head. David knew that God was David in the story of David and Goliath who is the same God who had moved on David's life and power and gave David supernatural ability to do things by the Spirit of God that normally wouldn't be done, to do those things that normally don't happen. Listen to me, church. Look at me, church, every one of you. And God can do the same thing today. God can do the same thing for you today. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever it is that you're facing right now that is a giant in your life, God wants to do for you the very same thing that he did with David. When, when the enemy's narrative comes along, I think we get all messed up believing, you know what, I've got to figure this out. I've got to figure out how to fight this giant. This fear that comes over me, this thing that intimidates me, this thing that keeps on holding me back. I begin to take a step forward, but I take three steps back every time. I got, I've got to figure out a way to, to defeat my giant. And I'm here to tell you this morning as your pastor, no, you don't. No, you don't, because Jesus has already defeated that giant for you, just as he did for David. Come on, let's give him a round of applause. He's a great God. Jesus has already chopped off the head of every giant and has silenced your foe, the Bible declares to us. David carried, did you know this? David carried the head of Goliath for over 20 miles uh, to Jerusalem, to the place of worship. I'm gonna go a little bit deep here with these thoughts, so hang with me in just these next few moments in particular. In the same way that that shepherd boy, the son of Jesse, who is David, came from Bethlehem into the valley of Elah to take off the head of Goliath. Another shepherd, another shepherd boy came from Bethlehem whose name is Jesus. And he came to take off the head of fear, of anger, of rejection, of addiction from the heads of those who are caught up into those things. And Jesus did, Jesus did that in Jerusalem to display in full power for the whole world of every generation to see and to experience his power, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and the power of his ascension that we would believe that God has defeated defeated the giants for us. All those giants are dead. They're dead. They're dead. And in case you don't know the end of the story, the end of the story is Goliath, uh, uh, that, uh, David had a rock and he hit 
Goliath right between the eyes and that giant, he dead. He dead. He's done. Point number three, your giant is dead but still may be deadly. Your giant is dead but it still may be deadly. You need to listen carefully. Your giant is dead. Power has been taken out of the giant but your giant still may be deadly. It may be. Listen, believer, when anxiety starts talking, fear, anger, addictions start talking, it's real. When you're dealing with these kind of things and you begin to hear these things, it's real. In your mind, in your mind, it may feel deadly to you because you hear him still talking. But you need to know, according to the word of God, fear is dead. In your mind, it may still be deadly because you, you hear his lies again, over and over again. But fear is dead. Did you know? Did you know that if a snake dies in the wilderness, up to 120 days after that snake dies, if you were to accidentally, somehow or another, wedge your toe with flip-flops on, however you may be dressed, uh, and, and it goes in the mouth of that dead snake that's been dead for about 100 days, 110 days, whatever, and you puncture that spring-loaded fang of venom that is in it with your foot, you can, it can still be deadly to you. I don't know if you know that or not, so don't walk around barefoot in the woods if there's rattlesnakes, and there's none around here that I know of, not very many anyhow. But it's a reality. It's something that, that is deadly. It's something that, that is real. And uh, Jesus has taken off the head of the giant, but your giant is still speaking. When you, when you hear the giant talking, you can say this to the giant. You can say, wait a minute. Wait a minute now. Fear is dead I hear the, Randy Chiz, I, I hear some of those things that I've heard in years gone by. I, I still hear it every now and then. And probably m many, if not all of you, do the same. Fear, I hear you talking. I hear you talking, but you are a defeated foe. Fear is dead. And that needs to be your starting point of freedom for you. You need to remember what the word of God says. We stand on the truth of God's word, not on an enemy, not on a giant. We don't believe the giant. We don't believe what he is saying, that it's not true. Jesus is the giant slayer. Our giant is dead, but still may be deadly because they can still, uh, because they can still be talking because that's just what they do to intimidate you. What if no one talks to you anymore? No one even likes you. You are heading towards disaster. Think about the awful things that might occur. There's no hope. Only failure is set before you. There's nothing good in your future. Everything you work for is going to be lost. People will know how messed up you really are. Your chances don't look good. You might as well end your life. If you think that's alive, if you think that's really how it is, then anxiety is gonna get you by the throat and it's gonna hold you hostage. But if you realize, if you realize that, now wait a minute, wait a minute, that's a dead giant with one last gasp for somebody who doesn't know the truth or who's filled with fear and are not standing on God's promises and God's word, that he would set us free. You don't have to listen to the giant anymore. You don't have to.
So how do we walk free? How do we get away from this? How can we walk free? And how does God still get glory even if we're walking free of all of this? Go with me to Psalm 16, if you would. Psalm 16, verse 8. David says these words. He says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him, my, with, with him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Let me read it again. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Listen. Always, freedom is based on what we see with our eyes, what we hear with our ears, and what we say with our mouths. It is a very sensory thing, finding freedom. We need to be doing this. We need to find freedom with what we see with our eyes, hear with our ears, and say with our mouths. For your information, David, before he even picked up that rock, he already was confident He had the confidence that that giant is going down. He knew that, not because it was him, but because of the God that he would serve. He knew that. Do you know that? Do you know that your God is that powerful? Do you know that God can take down any giant? Do you believe it? Do you know it? And do you believe it? (coughs) Because what David saw was this big giant coming down. He already believed that that God was big enough to defend him against this foe. Verse eight again, it says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Three things as I close. Three things here that happen when David set his eyes on the Lord to keep God in view. Number one, number one, my heart was glad. My heart was glad. In Psalm 16, verse nine, he says, therefore my heart was glad. When you, when you put God in view, your emotional stability will level. Let me say it again. When you put God in view with your situation, what you're dealing with, when you put that in view, your emotional stability will level. Instead of the roller coaster, uh, it's good, it's bad, it's good, it, it's bad. And all of that comes from the enemy. All of that comes from the giant that you keep before your own life. But, but the God of the ages, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is before you, and when he is, when you see him and he is before you, our emotions begin to stabilize. The circumstances um, may not stabilize, but your emotions will stabilize as you keep the Lord before you. Point number two. Point number two is verse 16. My tongue rejoices. My tongue rejoices. Listen to me. Praise is your weapon against the giant. Praise is your weapon against the giant. Because worship and worry, worship and worry cannot be in your mouth at the same time. Because one will always displace the other. One will always do that. You want, you want, uh, you want worry out of your mouth? Then worship with your mouth. It will displace the enemy. Because when dead giants talk again, and they do, when they talk again, Do you understand that God has given you control over that playlist of hell? You are the one. You are the one who has that that control over the playlist. Because God has given you his word. God has given you the Bible, 66 books in the Bible. And when that enemy starts speaking to you and starts saying those things to you, you have control over that. You don't have to submit to that. You don't have to listen to those words. And I'm telling you, in these last 24 hours, Randy Chiz has been dealing with a fear that I haven't dealt with in so many years. So many years. I'm going to say 40 plus years. And this thing has just been eating at me all day yesterday and all morning this morning. 
Hard to keep myself on track because of that wicked enemy. But let me just tell you something. You don't have to listen to that soundtrack anymore. You don't have to listen to it. You can start getting rid of that tape of what the enemy is saying about you and what the enemy is saying about your family and what he's saying about your friends. And you can say, listen, I have a father and my, that's you are not my father. My father doesn't talk like that. My father doesn't tell me that I'm defeated. My father doesn't tell me I'm worthless and I'm not worth anything. You don't have to listen to the enemy any longer. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause. He is defeated. Number three and finally, my flesh will rest secure. My flesh will rest secure. In your life, is there something that is intimidating you? Is there something that's making you, making you unsettled in your heart? If that's you, then you have someone or something that you have to put them in their place. Someone or something, you need to put them in their place. And then that place means in the hands of God. You've got to give it over to God. You need to know that your shepherd has your back. Anxiety is dead and fear is a liar. Anxiety is dead and fear is a liar. And the great news today is your heavenly father, he has your back. Your heavenly father, he has, he has your back. And he will continuously protect and bless and meet every need that you have in your life. Over these last six to 12 months of this, this year, these last six to 12 months, one of the songs that has been helping me over and over again when I'm dealing with some of the struggles that I'm confessing to today, this song do it again. You know the song. We sing it here at Word of Life. We're going to sing it here in just a moment. But that song, Do It Again, is my story. I have seen God move mountains. I have seen God do some things in my life and in the lives of my kids and my grandkids and in the lives of my family and friends and in the lives of my church and community. I've seen God do that. And one of the things the enemy will tell me and probably tell you, it will never happen again. That was a one-time opportunity, but look at you now. You're a loser and there's just no way you're gonna make it. I don't listen to that anymore. You and I have victory over that. I'm gonna ask if you would stand to your feet, if you would please. Stand to your feet. We're gonna have our intercessors please come forward at this point. If you have any need whatsoever for prayer, we want to meet your need. We really do. But we're going to close off this service with, with worshiping God with this one last song. And maybe you're someone who you've seen God do something wonderful in your life and you need to see him do it again. Maybe you've never experienced that, but today you have some faith now that is inside of you that says, I, I want to believe God for that miracle in my life as well. So we're going to make that opportunity. You can receive that right there as we worship. Worship along with us. If you would like prayer for anything whatsoever, you don't have to be a member at Word of Life to be prayed for. We want you to be prayed for if you want prayer. And let's sing this last song and then I will excuse you at the conclusion of that. We're just about ready to go. So go ahead. Let's do that final worship song.